0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, musician and fashion designer Beth Ditto and I dig deep into the advice bag to talk about self-deprecation, self-loathing, feminism, talking nice to each other, and getting flamed on the internet. Stay tuned, because you are not going to want to miss it. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian What's the matter with you? Sagittarian Matters. I have known Beth Ditto for many, many years, a bit over a decade. She was the first person who I loved who ate meat. Uh, I worked at some vegetarian sanctuaries for animals in my early 20s, and for a while was a vegetarian separatist. But I met Beth, and I loved her so much, and I thought she was so smart and so funny, and yet this was one thing we did not have in common. But I made a decision. I wanted to be her friend because it was worth it, and it's still worth it, and we still don't have that in common, and we still respect those differences about each other. Um, She teaches me new things all the time. I keep her in mind. When I think about feminist things, when I think about fat activism and body positivity, I think about Beth always. I'm inspired by her. I'm proud of her. and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast.
1: Hey, Nicole. Um, I feel like you're really gracious, and I was wondering if you could give me advice about how to be more gracious. Like, when you work hard or good things happen to you, how do you, like, accept people being excited for you without being self-deprecating or, like, getting too much of a big head or, I don't know, think that you handle yourself classy. How do you do it?
2: Well, I used to be the queen of immediately deflecting it in a way like in an unhealthy way like because I honestly believed that people were just being nice to me that's what I believe (laughs) and then I realized that it like like saying the opposite of what they're saying like if someone was like oh you're such a good singer I'd be like no I'm not immediately because I believed that I wasn't and still believe that, actually. But I had to learn how to just be comfortable. First of all, let me start with the story. When I was 13 or 14, I went to stay with my grandmother, who was my northern grandma. So it was kind of weird. <clears throat> Cult- weird cultural differences. I can't explain. And then um, I'd never stayed with her before. She was kind of a stranger to me. But I went because she was old and alone, because her husband had just died. And on one random afternoon that I was there, she handed me be $5 hmm. and I put the $5 in my book. I was reading a Janice Joplin biography, autobiography, not autobiography, biography and kept saying, okay, how do you say thank you to grandma? Because this is so sweet, but thank you's not enough. I was like, I need to say, or like make her something. But, so in the moment I didn't say thank you. And then about an hour later, and the whole time I'm racking my brain, like, thank you is not enough. This is so sweet. She's my grandma who was on a budget. And then an hour later, my grandma starts crying because she thinks I'm not thankful for this $5. When the, in, the whole, really, in reality, the whole time, I'm so, I was racking my brain and I was anxious because I didn't feel like thank you was enough. And I wanted to do something special and better. When in that moment, I realized thank you is enough. Even if it doesn't feel like enough, thank you is enough. And you have to train yourself to say thank you. And that's all it takes. Two little words. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, just be like, oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Even if you don't believe it. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Not being able to take a compliment is like probably because you have low self-esteem, I think.
0: It's like weirdly disrespectful to the person giving you the compliment to involve them in your low self-esteem. Right. You're being like, no, you're wrong. They don't know you feel that way. No. Or them being like, you're good at that. And you'd be like, no, you must have poor taste because you're wrong.
2: Or like, Yeah. Or <laughs> just like, yeah. I mean, I guess it is. I never thought about it like that. But I don't know. the other thing is, is that the, nothing could probably be worse because in your mind you're thinking that, you don't want them to think that you have this huge ego or it's, you're worried about what they think when really, if you really get down to it all, they're just telling you something nice about yourself. And this, it's so simple just to say, thank you, Yeah. but it takes practice. It does. Take
0: it just practice. takes practice.
2: That's
0: I, all. I think that. So this person asked about getting a big head and like, recent, don't make
2: your grandma cry.
0: Don't make your grandma cry. Well, recently I've been different people have, Like, it's come up three or four different times in the past few weeks, people talking about people having a big head. And I just, I don't see, I've never seen a woman where their ego was a problem. Like, I I guess I've never met a woman whose self-esteem is so phenomenal that it has actually hurt anybody. Like, I'm like, oh, uh, there's a woman who loves herself and is accepting praise for something she does in public. Like, that's a radical, to me, that's a feminist radical act. Because the world tells women... To not get too big for their britches or to not take up
2: too much space. Right. Also, do you you agree with that? Yeah, obvious. Of course I agree with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we're told, and we're we're wired not to have an ego. And a legal ego is good. It's like, it goes a long way. It can be very protective, I think. I think because when you do, I I think that's another thing too, is ego gets a bad rap. When you can have an ego, but it doesn't necessarily have to be negative or um, negative or big headed. I mean, it can be absolutely associated with having accepting yourself at at a certain place with your talent, even if you're not necessarily comfortable with it. And sometimes it's really not about how you feel in the moment. Let me just say this. I agree with everything you're saying, but a side note is not necessarily a reflection of how you feel about yourself when you are accepting a compliment. It's more about how you're making that person feel for kind of kind of bucking up and telling you a nice thing. Because I don't know about you, but like if someone, it takes me, I 100% believe that we should be telling each other nice things, especially as women and as punks, because I feel like in the punk scene, and there's so much female competition anyway. That it absolutely, I think, starts with telling each other how much we support them or how good we think they are or how proud of them we are. Because I know that for a long time, I don't feel like like it took me a while to find people who were supportive because I feel like in the punk scene, you're not supposed to do that for whatever reason. Yeah, like it's not cool to acknowledge successes or growth or whatever that is to you.
0: It's really cool to be a martyr in punk.
2: Yeah. like in, It's cool to be a martyr and they in glorifying poverty and glorifying otherness. And, like, that's not healthy.
0: Um, I, There used to be something in Portland called Feminist Club, which I wish I was a part of, but I wasn't. In Feminist <laughs> Club, one of their mottos was talk nice to each other. And it was so simple. But then when yeah. I actually thought about it, I was like, "That's it's so rare for women to just say, like, you did a great job or... This thing you yeah. did is awesome. I mean, it's like when we worked at rock camp, and they were like, okay, say nice things to the girls. Don't say great things to them about their appearance, because that's kind of the only way we validate women. Right. Say nice things to them about the actions they're taking or the things they're doing.
2: Right, exactly. so Are there... nice. and it's, it's, It is so it's nice. A, and it doesn't
0: diminish you to tell other people nice things or to help other people out. It actually builds you.
2: Yeah, and look at male culture. Like, they're the exact opposite. So they're not wired... Or they're not socialized into telling each other how good they look. So they value (laughs) each other's accomplishments. Yeah. uh, You know, and then look what happens. It's like they get to actually accomplish things without thinking about the way that they look or, like, don't look. That's the injustice, obviously. I mean, I think that goes without saying. I think that, I don't
0: know. I I think that, like, the male culture of, like, congratulations and self-congratulations trickles down and so then straight women sometimes it rubs off on them and they're like oh I shouldn't say that I'm too great because that's not a good thing but maybe it's not a good thing if you're a straight guy and everyone already tells you you're so great but as somebody who is part of a a minority
2: group or a marginalized part of society
0: yeah a less privileged group it's not a terrible thing for you to say that you're okay and also separately self-deprecation is not the same as being humble I think I'm good enough I don't think that my books are the best books i don't think i'm the best cartoonist in the world i think my books are good enough they just exist yeah but they just that's the business. other
2: thing too it's really it's like context is everything so it's like you're not good at, they're not the best cartoon in the world com- like compared to what yeah well
0: i, I don't think that like, anyone else's cartoon deserves to be out there any, i don't
2: think anyone else's story deserves to get told more than my story But i think that's the thing where it's like context is yeah. everything it's yeah. like you can't compare yourself that way. Kristen always reminds me of that She's like, you can't keep comparing yourself to, like, whatever, like, what other people are doing. So it's like your your book isn't as good as, it like, isn't the best in the world compared to what? Yeah. Does not okay. matter?
0: There's different elements of different books that I'm like, oh, I wish my book looked like this. Or I wish that yeah. I could be reborn. In the
2: context this- that you have. You wish you want your, your standards in a different place and you want them to be there. You want yours to meet that standard.
0: Yeah, or like,
2: yeah.
0: I'm not, I don't like want wish- to name any book names because I don't want to make it seem like I feel competitive or anything. Where
2: the red fern grows. Where the red fern grows. But that's capitalism, you know. That's what capitalism does to us. It's like when a book is at this level, it's usually not at a creative level that we're like, man, I wish that I could, in, like, in, like that I could capture that or whatever.
0: Capitalism and also um, the patriarchy and for scarcity and that there's only room for a few of each both to you right but there's not that's not true it's limitless like there could be yeah. more than one feminist voice there could be more than one mm. comic about a gay woman
2: mm. what mm. There's, exactly
0: there's plenty of comics about straight people <clears throat> there could be more than one queer cartoonist so that everyone would be like so what do you think about this other person whose work is similar to yours well great there's more than one of me in the world yeah So there's more than one story to be told
2: and maybe they're similar, maybe they're parallel, but guess what? That's because there are a lot of us. So that's how I feel, like, especially with fat things, like fat things or like, you know, it's like you know, with fat designing anything or like having any kind of voice like right now there's like a huge, really cool thing going on where like a lot of plus size models are getting a lot of attention and the, the fat movement is getting, is gaining momentum like it never has before, like really, really quickly. And so like, I think it's kind of cool because it came from punk rock, so in my opinion, I think the queer scene had a lot to do with that, too. So it kind of comes from a place of queer ethics, but then you can see it kind of being like it's like it's starting to leave that a little bit, and like you don't I don't want it to go back into a place of like female competition and like embedded sexism. It's so sad. No. but you know, I think there is there's that thing too. It's like, well, how do you feel about? so and so and so and so and you're like great yeah it's like you know what i always think is like the best quote that has to like pertaining to that i think is when in an interview someone asked toby beller kathy Kathleen hannah they were like you know what do you think about the bikini pale people versus the court uh the the whole people and they, she was like why can't they just listen to both why does it have to be one or the other
0: why do women have to be pitted up against each other
2: yeah what, can't, why can't they just listen to both? It's one of the most. It's the easiest, smartest answer. It's like, why does that have to be? Yeah, why does it have to be one or the other? Why like, can't what? we just do it both?
0: You could also have complicated feelings about different pieces of art, and it's a, by women, and it's okay. It doesn't have to be a war. You could yeah. be like, wow, Courtney Love shouldn't have punched Kathleen Hanna in the face. Right. I like Bikini Kill Hole.
2: Yeah. Or you know exactly. I,
0: like I just, why do feminists have to be perfect? Why do women in public have to be perfect? Everybody is really excited to throw stones at women for any misstep, and then yeah. against each other.
2: Well, even in a misstep, is is it's like maybe it isn't even a misstep. Like maybe you just don't agree, and sometimes the world's not really ready, especially with feminism, to hear what you have to say because they've never they've never even heard it before in a in a, on the on a big scale. Do you know what I mean? A, like usually, yeah usually like punk feminists are used to talking to other punk feminists and we have an entirely different code of ethics and code of like like language so like if someone else hears you say that and like on a big scale like the mainstream or whatever or just right outside of our community or bubble then they're not used to hearing that so they immediately it's like they don't even understand it sometimes it's a little bit like jarring yeah like do you
0: have an example
2: hmm like if I said something to you pertaining to like, like like if I said something to you about how I felt like gay men can feed into the patriarchy, mm-hmm. I don't have to, dis- I don't have to explain that to you. Right. No. Because you understand. I don't feel like I'd have to explain that to other gay punk men who are in the punk scene. I don't think I'd have to explain that. But if you say that to like, say like um, a journalist or a person that you're in a conversation with that doesn't does not come from where you're coming from. That sounds counterproductive. It sounds, um, blaming. It sounds homophobic. Mm-hmm. And, and when we re- in reality, it's just like, that's, that's, it's not any, it has nothing to do with any of those things.
0: Now, like you don't and need you, to qualify it to me. Like I don't ever need to be like, Hey, wait, are you homophobic or you don't support other no. people? I'm like, of course, they're your family, you love them, right. and you're saying this thing that they're doing is not helpful to <clears> them.
2: <throat> right. And so, like, I don't have to explain that to you, but you have to explain it to other people. So when that comes out and, like, it's just that thing where it's like you can't be honest and you always have to be really careful about what you say, and then men don't really have to deal with that, their, their repercussions aren't the same, for one, because they don't have an entire... <clears throat> it's hard to do the right thing when you come from a feminist scene because you want to do right by them because they created you, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you don't add punk or whatever, but like you have two sides that you're trying to, it's like, especially if you have any kind of, maybe this is, this is just my experience, but like, if you have any kind of crossover, especially when you like write a book or, you know, those things aren't those, they're not going to just feminist bookstores. They're going to go to places where anyone can see them and like read them. So like, you have two completely different groups that you're constantly trying to balance and you're not trying to please one or the other, but you're just trying to be as clear as you possibly can be. And men don't have to worry about that as usually like straight white men in the world, because there isn't this, this, like, there isn't this politicized, like, um, I hate the word politically correct. There isn't this like, There isn't this group behind them that they sprang from and that they were they came from that kind of like taught them everything they know that is just as quick in my mind to be to just bite you in the ass if you do something wrong without you know against the codes of you know what they think is right and then there's this other group that doesn't get you at fucking all like at all that is just ready to like shred you to bits because you are a woman. Or because they don't understand your politics, or because they hear a word like feminist and they immediately have their own like associations with it, and then you're you're writing this weird line where you feel like you don't want to, you're not, you don't want to abandon your scene because that's your home, and you don't, but also you're just trying, you're trying to break, you're trying to represent your scene. That's the thing, you're trying to represent your people in the to these people that don't get you at all. Yes. And so you're writing this insane line of trying to trying to, not just not trying to please people that's different, but trying to make yourself as clear as you possibly can, and sure to, to kind of like take you back the words of like what what feminism actually means or like whatever. It's just all it's a bunch of bullshit. Like you are, it's kind of like a minefield. You have to. I think you people have to love deal that. With that more I now. know not everyone feels like that
0: because you I think, dwell in like. A books, cave. It seems like books have a broader swath of different populations and thinkers than like yeah. fashion. Like and fashion music. is a totally different landscape. It's been dominated by one kind of you know body, yeah. one kind of culture, and person for a long time.
2: But genuinely, though, fashion to me feels more at home and open than music by far. What? And I think that's what's funny. Like when people talk about, like when I talk about things like that, I'm talking about music journalism way more versus, because you have to understand like the gay men thing. Yeah, that's different, but you have to understand that music is so male dominated, so white male dominated. And then when you have like fashion, which is still like very white, it's still very gay male. And but, so there are gay people and there are women. So it's run by women and gay men. So for me, I feel like those conversations go much further and are way more understood than in music at all.
0: That makes more, I guess that makes a lot of sense to me because those people seem naturally freakier.
2: They're way freakier, especially when you meet designers. They're weird. (laughs) They're weird. Usually weird homos. Yeah. Who grew up listening to the same thing that you did or feeling the same way you did. You don't. And then you meet, you know, like you really will meet music people who are like, Oh, Wolf Mother is the best band. And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? (laughs) Or like, Kings of Leon, oh, really reinvented anything. I was like, what? You'll just be like, what? You'll be like, have you heard ESG? And they're like, who's ESG? And you're like, see? But if you say that to a punk designer, they'll be like, oh my God, ESG is everything. You know, sense. or they'll be like, oh, Donna Summer. or Barbara, People who worship Barbara Streisand are A-OK with me. You're listening to Sagittarian Matters by Nicole Jos.
0: You know, I was talking about Betty Davis the other day. Again.
2: No, I was talking about her too, like probably two days ago. That's funny.
0: She's still a pro sex worker. Wait, um, I want to say something. And she
2: was the ex. I mean, she's mild. wait, which Betty Davis? The singer? The singer. Yeah. Miles Davis'
0: ex who was like, that just wasn't my scene. Like him being an abusive then start, alcoholic yeah. or whatever.
2: And then started her own group. Yeah. Amazing.
0: I can't remember how she fell out of grace. I have to look it up again. But I remember reading that Island Records shelved her last two records, and I can't remember why.
2: I can imagine. I can think of, like, 50 things.
0: <laughs> I can't remember the specific thing, but people, look up Betty Davis. That's thunk, a Googler. Fuck, so legend. That's a Googler for you?
2: That's a Googler.
0: And when I was answering the question about grace and whatever, I kept coming back to gratitude. And every time I tried to answer this question on my own without you, like in my bathroom recording it into my phone, which is maybe the podcast version of singing into your hairbrush, I was (laughs) crying because – and I started crying at the Lambda Awards giving a speech because I just – I feel so grateful for all the feminists that have come before me.
2: Absolutely.
0: And the gay people and the lesbian cartoonists and the people that have fought for me to have this space. So then for me – like, part of accepting people's praise is me, like, taking advantage of this spot that they made for me. Right. Like, taking advantage. Like, all these people struggled super hard and didn't get recognition for their work. And yeah. like, I am getting to stand on their shoulders to get these things. And to me, it's, like, grat- like, part of showing them that I'm grateful is me accepting the things that are coming in for all the work they've done.
2: No, abs- I can't agree. I know exactly how you feel there's that too and then there's the idea that future generations like if we start saying thank you and treating each other kind and like and like paying homage and like just recognizing these amazing people and it's like saying thank you to people who give you a compliment is like saying thank you to the people who came before you like you're you know if that's the thing then imagine how if we start doing that now how much easier it will be for girls 10 years from now (sighs) and how amazing is that you know that's a thing that's a thing
0: it's like when i went to see the punk singer i just started crying from like the opening credits on i still haven't seen it
2: oh my god you know why i think because i'm a pisces and i don't think people realize but i'm so sensitive I, like, I'm, a, I'm almost afraid of how I'm going to feel.
0: <laughs> it, it makes you feel such gratitude, I think, and inspiration. But also, like, Kathleen and I went, went through so much shit. So much bullshit. And mm. fe- strong, there's also this, this is totally separate, but there's, you know, this thing that I, that there's, like, strong feminist women out in public, and they get so much shit from everyone, that eventually their bodies or minds start failing. I don't want to get feeble-minded, but I mean, like, people have mental breaks where they have a mental breakdown, mm. or people's bodies start, you know, ailing because they're taking in all this stress from the whole world, and they are taking all the hits for us. That's
2: what I mean by riding that line. <gasps> See, Kathleen does understand that, too, is that not only was she doing it for the punk scene, how much hate did she get from that?
0: Yeah. Just,
2: I mean, the male punk scene, too. I mean, come the fuck on. And then, because not only was she infiltrating she was doing it both at the same time and it hadn't been done on that level ever before. Not only was Bikini Kill doing that like infiltrating the mainstream and changing the punk scene, the masculine, you know, dominated, like all that bullshit, all that hardcore bullshit. Which was and then, my scene. Which was your scene. I can't even imagine. I'm so, see, I'm so grateful <laughs> that in a way that where we were was so secluded and we just had weird trickle down of the scene and didn't have a scene. So we had to create it ourselves. Yeah. So I didn't have to join a scene like that. Like our scene was so stupid and weird. It was amazing. I I mean, stupid. I derailed you. Yeah. You were saying not only did she have to. Well, she derived that line. And so I can't imagine like what that was 20 years ago or more and having to feel that way. Also, you know, there is no, there's for me, there's no coincidence that I get to be, a successful singer because like there it's no coincidence that, that I came from that scene and that that's the the only reason why I get to do that is because of bands like bikini kill. Absolutely. There's absolutely
0: a nin quote that I just liked and posted, saw somewhere that said like, if I hadn't created my own world, I surely would have died in other people's.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Did you post
0: that? I think I posted that. Yeah, I, uh, I just like that's how I feel about Riot Girl and Queer Punk
2: and yeah. the Pacific
0: Northwest and getting to come of age in the Pacific Northwest around <sighs> gay people that were supportive and kind. In post Riot Girl, yeah, was that I got to be free and create my own world without people telling me, "Oh, you can't do that," or "You're too big for your britches," or "Oh, who do you think you are?" Like none of that. People are like whatever you think you are. That's great. Can you actually
2: be weirder? Yeah, can actually, can you pitch the envelope a little more? I just think about that, what it would be like, and I don't know what it's like. I mean, only on a small scale, but not, on the way, not in the way that all of those bands and writers, and, like, I think about Nomi. I think about Nomi Lamb for me, personally, because I can't imagine, I can't imagine, but, like, what it must be like to watch this incredible movement now, 20-something years later, Blossoming out of something that she was like one of a few of, you know, and then to move on and create a life of its own, which is the hardest thing is because you can't control what happens with the movement that you've created. You know,
0: we should describe who Nomi Lam
2: is. Nomi Lam is a fat activist, disabled, right? Disabled, fat activist, Jewish, queer, Jewish woman. From Olympia, Washington, who was born and raised there, which is like a, another weird thing. Like she's That's not the weirdest thing about her. Yeah, it might be, <laughs> um. But she really just her existence taught me a lot about myself. When I moved to Olympia, I felt invincible because I met Romy Lamb.
0: She did a zine. I even got her zine in Kansas called "I'm So Fucking beautiful. So Fucking
2: Beautiful." Yeah, or it was
0: about. It was like, and it just from the beginning, it said, "This is the zine of." You know, a fat queer disabled Jew, and it's called "I'm so fucking beautiful," and it's all these righteous talks about you know fat power and privilege and everything. And it like reading that at this scene, like being like a teenager who was starving myself, eating ice chips, like (laughs) and like just seeing "I'm so fucking beautiful" blew my mind.
2: I loved it because as a fat person, because I didn't have the experience of being a thin person reading it, and as a fat person, I remember. There was, I think in the first one, she talks about how all she wants is just for someone to look at her and just be like, you're so fucking beautiful. And like, they're not all she wants, but how amazing that would be because we don't get that. And a lot of people don't get that, but especially fat people don't get that. And in fact, we get the opposite. And then talking about, and then but calling it, I'm so fucking beautiful. And just the idea that she's like, if someone's not going to fucking tell me that, then it's up to me to tell myself that. And that goes back to ego. And it goes back to, being grateful. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's time and the advancement, I think, of women artists and, or queer artists um, any kind of other artists, like, and I say, like, we're the others, you know, like any kind of, like, any kind of marginalized minority group of people, like I feel like the own our advancement and our survival depends on. If no one is going to tell you that, if no one's going to create it for you, then you have to tell yourself and you have to create it. And it's a nice time in in our culture and the way that we're being seen in mainstream culture. Not only that, given the internet, it's opening up. The, you know, of course it's opening up a world of people to be connected. And of course, you're going to meet people who are like minded and people who want to be supportive and are going to tell you you're amazing because we're lucky enough to be in that, in a connected world where people who get you are going to be able to have direct contact with you. That's never happened before. So we're also being faced with this thing, which is like, how do you take a compliment because you are for the first time in the history of the world, being able to connect with someone literally face to face in that moment. Whereas before you had to wait for a letter yeah. or like, you know, weeks or like you have to wait for them, someone to come to your town and like meet them. Yeah. And so now you're being faced with things like, you know what, this really changed me or this moved me. This was beautiful. You inspire me like all of those things. And I think one way that it can help you practice saying thank you or being graceful, whatever whatever it is that you want to to purvey to the person who's handing you the compliment, we're grateful, I think it's good practice to remember that it's a part of the revolution that we learn how to be grateful towards other people because for the first time in history we're we're we are being face to face with the people who do appreciate us instead of being so far removed from them. Like you know, like before you would have some maybe a pin pal in England and, you know, that was the only person you felt supported by or the only person who told you nice things about you, yeah. yourself or your talent. And so now those people are literally being able to say something to you right then. In one second, you'll receive a compliment. And I think part of the revolution is learning how to say thank you and just saying thank you. And like you said, you're doing it saying thank you for all the people who came before you. And like every time you say thank you, yeah, you're 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 giving credit to all of the people that came before you and that you're paying it forward in the way that if you start doing that, then women and other artists will start to to take that on to, as well. Yeah. And like they'll start to do that and it'll be a learned behavior that actually having a little bit of an ego or believing in yourself isn't, is not, self-deprecation isn't punk. It's, it is what it is. It's It's still self-deprecation. It's actually like, it's Self-love and self-acceptance and accepting your talents, even if it's not you're not where you want to be yet in your talent, like or whatever that is, like it's still important to say thank you to people for one so that they'll continue to say nice things to other women and not feel like like they didn't like they felt and not feel ridiculous. Because I know you've probably played a compliment to people that you looked up to and maybe didn't necessarily it didn't go that well. You know, <laughs> I think
0: there's different people. I I just had to detach from their reaction and just know that I needed to tell them. I needed to gush for a minute and say this thing and then be like, Oh yeah, okay. And now it seems like I made it weird, so now I'm gonna go. Right. I just had to tell you how much I love your thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it. You know, and there's no way that that does. There's no way that when you walked away from the table, someone was like, Oh my god. You know? No. There's no way that they didn't take that and words. like But the thing is is they didn't know how to say thank you. Yeah. And if we start teaching each other how to say thank you, I mean just those two words, that's it. Just Oh thank you.
0: Pretend like you. you deserve it. Maybe you don't believe it yet, but maybe at some point you will because you're teaching your brain this thing. Right. Like just accept it. Just accept it.
2: Like- accept it. Accept their words and if for anything, just to make that person feel not comfortable, not to make them more comfortable, but to feel empowered by sharing their good thoughts with, with another woman. Yeah. You know, it's and good. even, even if you don't say thank you, because it feels like it's not enough. Oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Also a good thing. You know,
0: I, these if, things like sometimes I can't, res- I don't I I'm actually bad. I don't respond to fan mail very well. I honestly don't. I'm not good at it. It's mm. it's, a, it's the thing I'm the least good at, but when I get those things like those letters or a message or whatever, it makes my day. Yeah. And I could be in like a, a pit of despair and then I get a fucking psychotic letter from somebody that's like five pages long who's a stranger telling me they appreciate me and I it's really nice to be like, Oh, this is reaching somebody else. Like I'm doing this thing and it feels lonely and awful but it's doing something for someone and that's enough. Because that was yeah. a lot for me when I was a teenager. To have people like, I'm so fucking beautiful, or to read Riot yeah. Girl zines, or to see Outpunk, yeah, Outpunk, out Gay punk. zine, things like that meant so much to me. And being able to tell those people and be like a fan nerd meant it meant so much to me to be able mm. to just say like, I appreciate you. That I I respect when other people reach out and do that because it's kind of brave too.
2: It is brave. It's really brave to to approach someone and be like, I really like what you do.
0: By the way, it's kind of, it's weirdly the opposite of call out culture because right now on the internet with our instant back and forth thing, call yeah. out culture, like calling people on their shit in public.
2: Oh yeah. Me,
0: like, I, when I have a call I recently out, heard
2: something that's amazing. Armchair activists. Yes.
0: Armchair activists. It's my
2: favorite. I was like, oh my God, that just changed my life.
0: When, when I have a critique of something that a queer or feminist person is doing online, I will privately message them. I don't need to put mm. it on their fucking like web page like it's a bulletin board and be like, I have a... Fo-. like I just people diss women all the time and people make fun of women and diminish their work all the time. All I the don't time. feel like I need to do that by attacking somebody in public because I don't agree with their politics. My- I can have a conversation with them not in public where I'm not tearing them down as a way to draw. Exactly. It's not like I've always believed in building, not tearing down. So yeah, I think that's a really. If you build something better, people can run to it instead of you being a fucking black clad anarchist, misogynist, violent freakazoid.
2: Also, talk about ego. Who the fuck do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like what what kind of bravado ego is that? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were the most right person in the world. And also, there's this thing where it's just like you. The internet creates a division in a way. It's so good and so bad, and like you see pictures of people. You read their little tiny things that they write, or their big ones, whatever. But you don't know them, unless you know them. You don't fucking know them.
0: You don't know other people's business. You don't know their politics.
2: You don't know the, You don't know their experiences. Mm-mm. You don't know who they are at all. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know. You know. You just don't know them. And that took me a long time to realize too. So to people who are want to be hateful, it's like it it breaks. It's hard for me because I'm just like I don't know anyone in the punk scene in the, in my group of friends that doesn't 100% want the best for every, for all the, for their community or their scene or for like people who are being so fucked over in the world. I don't know one person that wants that when this is, what's hard for me and like with, especially with Trump lately, because I'm just like, you realize that there are people out there who really do not want you to thrive and really do want to hurt you and are out to get you, you and you're seen you is not it.
0: No. Well, this is what you, you personally said this. And I think about it all the time, because you're talking about like your mom saying something that is like, she says it in an imperfect way or your family yeah. says something to you in an imperfect way, you know, that yeah. might be like not politically correct or whatever, but you think we're all on the same side.
2: Yeah. At the end of the exactly. day, we're on the same side. Yeah. And I know that that doesn't, is not all people can exist in that. And I know that that partly comes with the privilege, like maybe white privilege or like, you know, um, but at the same time, I feel like if you, like you said, if there aren't people who, those people have an absolute, the people who can't stay and build, have an absolute right to run away and do their thing. That's different from tearing people up. Yeah. That's completely different. They have a right to run away from this and be like, this is stupid. This makes me feel like shit. But I feel like that's where I feel like I can, that one of my strong One of the things that I feel like I have to do in life, and maybe it's because I am was raised a woman and I'm a fixer. I don't know, is I feel like my what my first inclination is to run to it and and diffuse the problem, you know. And sometimes that's hard because not everybody has, not everybody wants to diffuse the problem. They want to blow it up and like blow it out of proportion.
0: Yeah. Sometimes on the on the internet, you there's no accountability. Like you're never gonna. Once someone decides that you're wrong. There's almost nothing you can do to
2: change. Oh, no. Or
0: fix that opinion.
2: And that's where you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Let it go. Let, let it, it go. go. Love it. <laughs> Loved it. Thought it was very feminist.
0: You're listening to Sagittarian Matters with Nicole George.
1: Hi, Nicole. Thanks for doing your podcast. Um, I have a question. What do you do if you've had, like, consistent self-loathing? Like, what if you kind of hate yourself for many days in a row and it's not working to just, like, read or watch TV or uh, read a self-help book? Like, some tips. Thanks. Thanks.
2: This is my advice, What's your and that is getting out of those that frame of mind is a, is a deliberate act. Like when you catch yourself, the first thing is that you have to catch yourself thinking those thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you have to stop them in their tracks. And then the only person that can do that for you is you.
0: What are you doing? You, say the,
2: it- you have to be like, okay, I really, really need to con- deconstruct this thought. Like, is this do I really feel this way? Like, do I really feel like this about myself? Do I mean, what is it? What is their self-loathing? It could be anything, but what, what's a good example? Like, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me.
0: Yeah. Or like, you'd think you're like stupid or ugly or lazy or.
2: Well, I think the proof is in the pudding. Like for me, like being a fat person, I grew up with this idea that I was always lazy and like really super lazy and then I learned that actually you know I, that was people telling me that that wasn't it had nothing to do with me and then it got to a point where I was trying to prove that I wasn't lazy so much that I was overdoing it like and and also I just like I had to stop and be like okay this is what I did today that's not what a lazy person does or I had to stop and myself in those in my tracks and the thought process of being like i'm lazy the minute i I, it was practice and it takes practice to be like okay i gotta stop and reprogram my thoughts you have to reprogram yourself because especially you have to
0: i call i my my life's work is reparenting myself which
2: fucking
0: sucks and I resent it majorly free. and I often am like when is somebody just going to get here and start taking care of me which is never going to happen because you have to take care of yourself and being yourself out, yeah speaking nice to yourself yeah I have to say I think I'm one of the only people I know that smiles at myself in the mirror all the time and I can't tell if that's because I'm like practicing what an emotion looks like or if it's because I'm a ham and I feel like I'm on TV all the time or in a commercial But I, like I used to do that my myself <laughs> but it's helpful Or
2: headshots
0: I mean I am, I'm also tough on myself like I'll write myself a note and be like you know change this panel bitch
2: <laughs> <laughs> motivating that's just motivation that's do, like being a coach
0: do Pilates idiot nobody do needs Pilates. to stretch your back more than you
2: <laughs> nobody needs a back stretcher
0: but ultimately I have to say getting outside of myself is helpful like even if I'm like having a bad time, and I'm like, nobody loves me, life sucks, uh, self-loathing, blah, 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 blah. If I go volunteer with senior citizens or go do something for That's someone a good else, call. get
2: outside. Getting out of your head.
0: I, yeah. a, I can actually build an artificial structure that is my self-esteem, that is not just me sitting at home saying I'm great. Like, I can be like, well, I'm not a complete asshole because I actually just did this and this and this. And That's me, what I mean. To me, those are things that a good person would do or that a nice person would do. And I did those things. So even if I'm not feeling it right now, I can look and see like, oh, that was a nice thing.
2: That's exactly what I mean. The proof is in the pudding. That's my pudding. Like, You know, like exact, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like with, I thought I was lazy my whole life. And then I stopped and looked around and was like, oh, these are not things a lazy person does.
0: And then you went and fucking shredded the elliptical machine for an hour and a half going 90 miles an hour. Or
2: like, there's, it's not even that, like there's more to that than being lazy. It's like, it's not exactly physically what you're doing. It's not even about physical labor. It's like, did you write a book? Did you write in your journal today? Did you, like for me, it's crocheting is a big thing that makes me feel productive and I can get, I give it to people. So So it's like, yeah, because you think about your friends, it's something that you can create and see instant gratification. Like if your thing is like taking pictures on your phone and then you look back at it and you're like, um, I really feel empowered when I do this and I'm good at it or like whatever. It's, like, things like that. Like, those aren't things a lazy person does.
0: I also, I re- I've been reframing it lately. Like, I've been getting down on myself for how much time I spend in the telephone k-hole. Because I find when I'm lonely or having a feeling and I need to bomb the feeling, I'll, like, look at my phone for too long. But I
2: realize, That's... It's useful. I can attest to that.
0: I actually get, um, I get inspired by looking at people's pictures on Instagram. I find pictures of animals that I didn't know about. I find uh, photos yeah. and fashion and inspiration and quotes and authors that I haven't, hadn't, didn't think about. So even though I'm like, God, it's so fucking stupid. I can't believe I'm just liking my friends' pictures. I'm like, see what my friends do, well, you... too. Reaching out to human beings and getting mm-hmm. inspired and learning. I'm learning. Yeah.
2: Like You're I'm learning.
0: Reading articles on the internet.
2: Yeah. I'm not just... And that's incredible. It's so digging. incredible that you can do that and just read whatever you want.
0: Oh, like the other day... What I spent a long time looking up the Lesbian Avengers and looking up um, ACT UP, the AIDS group, and looking up this weird primate experimentation tour, (laughs) anti-experimentation tour that I went on in the 90s to be like, wait, what was up with that? Um, But I just spent so much time researching the Lesbian Avengers and then going down a k-hole of reading interviews of people that started Lesbian Avengers. And I was like, yeah, the internet's good for something.
2: Yeah, it's good for lots of things if you use it for good.
0: I didn't go on the internet, oh, can I tell you something? This is something that's a practice in my life. It's called HALT. Before you make a decision or respond to something in a freakish way, ask yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? <laughs> HALT. So, like, if you're on the internet and you want to respond to somebody, and be like, fuck you, asshole. Stop and think to yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired right now? If so, let me put this on ice, cool off, and then if I still feel excited about it you'll
2: respond this. yeah i see i feel like you should throw in pms with that
0: huh do i want bangs hey i want bangs am i hungry angry lonely tired do i have pms you, have PMS. <laughs> you know how i feel about
2: this that's your never cut your hair you ever gave me it's that's that's probably you could put it on my headstone
0: A good advice you give me change your pad because it's gonna stink
2: <laughs> no ch- you better change that thing or it'll start stinking
0: <laughs> change your pad more often yeah. Uh, don't cut bangs if you have PMS and if somebody who's around you says something imperfectly or politically incorrect think are we still ultimately on the same side okay then I don't need to
2: tear them down yeah for it imperfect is a good thing because not everybody understands your language no but also I have I have a lot of compassion Kristen and I argued about this a lot because she's just like you can't and I'm just like yeah but I come at it from a different place than you
0: what do you mean we're talking about
2: we just have two different personalities with something like if someone does say something imperfect or like says something insensitive or like mildly offensive i'm just like are they do you think that they're coming at it from a horrible place or from an ignorant place
0: like do they not know the new terminology for the thing that you guys are Mm. talking about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you're listening to sagittarian matters with nicole george
3: Hello Nicole. Um, I'm calling for some advice and uh I've just entered into a relationship that or I met someone that I adore and uh oh, she has a boyfriend <laughs> and uh they're in an open relationship and uh I, uh should I not do it? <laughs> It's very difficult. I haven't done this before. And, uh, I feel like, uh, sometimes neglected and secondary as it goes with this arrangement. Uh, but it's really fun when we do get to hang out and I don't know if this is Healthy for me in the long run, or even in the short run. Uh, Vague, generic question about open relationships and a first-timer doing it. Uh, Any advice? Okay. Thanks.
2: Bye. Okay, number one. Are you going to be able to get what you need out of this? Mm -hmm. Do you know your limits within this? Do you have your boundaries? Yeah. Is it going to affect your self esteem? Mm-hmm. Do you have the emotional strength, the physical strength, and the time that it takes to process all of these feelings and time constraints and sharing? Ugh, Does it? Do you feel threatened? Are you doing this? Do Do you feel okay with the word secondary? <laughs> Like, maybe you should change the terminology. I I always think about that with that. I'm just like, why in the fucking world would someone... It's like being a size zero. I'm just like, why would anyone want to be a second? Can't you just say another part? Like or a like bonus? A bonus, <laughs> yeah. You should be a bonus, not a secondary. I thought, it's like nobody wants to play second fiddle.
0: Well, I thought if, if this is not maybe your forever thing, but you like it for now, could you think of this person as your lover? As like your fun yeah. time...
2: I've taken a lover. Like, it's not... That's what I
0: mean. It's not like a a
2: secondary, I don't know. If you can do those things, and if you've gone through your feelings about it, and all of them tick, yes, and all of the good, if the good outweigh the bad, or if those are things you feel like you can actually, on a reality basis, deal with, and that you can just see it as something that... Not even, you don't have to use the word casual or whatever. It can get as serious as you want it to within those boundaries. If you feel comfortable with that, then you can do it. But if you don't think you can, don't try. No. Because it's just asking for trouble between three people. It's just like... It's drama. I don't know.
0: Your advice is the same as mine. and I um, In Portland, it's interesting. In Portland, that advice makes me feel like an old fuddy-duddy. But everyone else in the world... And also, I... This is the point well, where my podcast is not Dan Savage's podcast. Uh, where I am.
2: Um, well, we're not a weird, you know, we're not a dude. <laughs> I'm not Everybody's a dude. It's
0: not for everybody, and it's
2: very hard. It's like. It's also important like, to know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of.
0: Some people, it's great for them because. Yeah. They, like our friend whose name I did, yep. loves having a team of girlfriends. Love, yeah. Needs love so often that it's too much for one person. Yeah. Like, she wants so much love all the time that she wants it from all... She needs to get it from all places. And she gets to have that because right. that's who she is in the world.
2: And see, on that level, monogamy is not good for her. Right. Th- then she knows that, and so she doesn't sign up for that, and that's smart.
0: Because she's not beleaguering one person being like, more love, more love, and a person's like, or,
2: I-, I need time for self-love. Right, and denying herself something. Or entering into something falsely with someone else who assumes that it's a different thing. That's the other thing. It's like there's that. So she knows what she needs. She knows what she wants. And so she asks for it. And she doesn't enter into those relationships with someone who can't give her what she needs, which is polyamory. Then, and on the same side of a different side of the same coin or whatever. Can you hear me? Yeah. On the different side of the same coin, for the person who would be entering into a relationship like that. Like with who's someone who's already in a relationship? You should ask yourself if that is something that you can handle, if you're that you're interested in, and see. That's a, I don't think it sounds like a funny, duddy thing at all. I think it's smart. It is smart because that's how you end up getting you know your heart broken. Nobody should enter a unless it's just head over heels passion and you just can't help yourself. I don't feel like anyone. And I'm speaking from experience. I don't think anyone should enter something that they don't know without asking themselves those questions because it can do damage. It damaged me. It damaged That's how I feel. me.
0: I've been actually on all sides of it. But when I was in my early twenties, I got into an unhealthy, I got into a non monogamous relationship because I felt pressure to seem so, so like, did I. So chill. So cool. So cool. I was like, yeah, of course I want my person, my true love to go on dates with somebody else. Why wouldn't I want that?
1: it's true this is like
0: my second girlfriend ever in my whole life and I'm like so desperately in love with her of course I want her to fall in love with somebody else while we're dating (laughs) Um, but see that's the thing but then as an older person there were times where I was like hey man I just need a little bit something different let's just open this up a little bit and I've cruised around or
2: it's a case by case basis case by
0: case or had like a couple casual whatever whatever whatever's
2: but see, I'm the kind of person that can't. Mm-hmm. I just can't. But I know that about myself, and it took me—I had to figure it out, you know. And that it's fine if that's not your jam; it's fine. And if it is, it's fine. I, and one shouldn't dog the other. That's what drives me crazy. It's like mm-hmm. I'm not giving you shit for dating more than one person. Don't give me shit for only dating one. That's—that's that's weird to me. Who gives a fuck?
0: Nobody gives a fuck.
2: I no one fuck fucking you. cares except yeah, for people who feel threatened.
0: Oh, yeah, Do well, people... I, had, I had some kind of, like, a, a non-monogamous bully trolling around my relationship being, like, I was like, well, here's one of my boundaries. Like, I don't want to know what my girlfriend's doing. And she's like, well, maybe you're not really non-monogamous then. And, like, I had, like, weird uh, early 2000s non-monogamous police trolling
2: around. It's none of your business how I feel.
0: It's none of your business money. And also, there's lots of levels of polyamory. Like, you yeah. your polyamory could be that you just want your partner to be able to make out with someone at a party and then tell you about it. It doesn't yeah. have to be that your partner is in love with two people at once or.
2: I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's, it's a case by case basis. It depends I, on where you are.
0: One more thing. Somebody on Instagram thought uh, was commenting on a picture I posted of you and said, basically I was talking as if you and I were um, actually romantically
2: engaged. We are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I posted this picture of us uh, performing cunnilingus upon each other simultaneously.
2: I don't know why they would get that idea. I
0: know. She was like, I was like, I've been, I was like, Beth's been my femme sponsor for 10 years. And she was like, I saw. she was like, oh, I've son. been with my partner for 10 years. Isn't love great? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is great. You know what? I'm going to tell you it is great. I'm here to tell you it is pretty great. Good for you.
0: Good for love. Love America. We're partners.
2: So. We're partners in crime.
0: We're partners in crime, not partners in 69.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you're 69
0: and you're 86. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.